Welcome back to Bible time. We're in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 8. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication, out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, it goes on in verse 9, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. Father, in Jesus' name, please open our understanding. Please teach us today. Help us to be more like Christ from this time. Help us, Lord God, in Jesus' name and for Christ's sake. Amen. But now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another. Now the motivation he gives here is seeing that ye have put off the old man and his deeds. So this kind of ties in with what we were talking about yesterday. Not kind of. It really directly ties in um, where it in the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. This contrasting of the old and the new. Now, we need to get into that, Lord willing, uh, Monday morning. The old man and the new man. But right now, um, just suffice it to say, to understand this, the old man is the lost man and the new man is the saved man. The old man is the flesh, the man that is fleshly, the second man is the spirit. Jesus said, you must be born of the water and of the spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Born of the water is born of the flesh, born of the spirit is the new man then, and the flesh is that which is born of the water of your mother's womb. So the old man, the flesh, then is prone to, is characterized by anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication, and lying. Just as we saw earlier that the old man is characterized by fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And these are the things that cause the wrath of God to come on the children of disobedience. So he's saying, since you're saved, since you are, and this is all, all goes back to verse 1 of chapter 3, if ye then be risen with Christ, the if. This is a chapter of contrast. This is a chapter of challenges. This is a chapter of commandments. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Chapter 1 of Colossians exalted Jesus Christ. It spoke of the redemption that we have through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. If you have an authorized version Bible, then it says in verse 14 of chapter 1, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Uh, many of the modern versions have cut blood out of, out of verse after verse of the scripture. I'm glad my Bible still has blood in it because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And this, the word of God teaches redemption through his blood. And the first chapter here of Colossians exalts Jesus Christ. It magnifies Jesus Christ, magnifies the work of Christ, and tells us about the work that he did and the position that he has how that he reconciled us in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight if ye continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven. Now, <clears throat> these conditions all through the Bible are, are very pertinent and they're very powerful. Every promise in the Word of God has conditions associated with it. We live in a day and a culture and an age where people take the Word of God and they strip it of the conditions. They strip it of the ifs. They strip it of 
all question of following Jesus and all they do is quote the promises, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And they strip away the condition of belief by teaching a belief that is not a biblical belief. They teach a wishing well belief where you turn around backwards and flip a coin over your shoulder and it drops in the well. And if you say a wish before it hits the water, then an angel or some kind of fairy being might hear you and they'll take the money that you threw in the well as a special gift and an offering and they'll go and answer your prayer that you said in your heart and give you what you wanted. That's the kind of belief that our world looks for today. We just studied belief in more detail. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. And when we studied the children of disobedience and contrasted children of disobedience to children of obedience, a child of obedience obeys the gospel. I was just looking at John chapter 6 this morning uh, with one of my sons, and the verse in John 6 says that the people came to him and said, what shall we do to work the works of God? And Jesus said, this is the work of God that ye, sh- that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. God wants you to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That belief involves repentance. It it involves accepting Christ. And that repentance and accepting Christ, that real belief results in a life change that leads to the Apostle Paul to say, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Paul says, prove it. So chapter 1 of Colossians, exalted Christ. Christ. Chapter 2 of Colossians gave stern warnings to the believer to avoid being beguiled, to avoid being spoiled, to avoid having people move you away from the simplicity of the gospel, to steal your faith in Christ, to add works to your faith. Now, in chapter 1, Paul had said by inspiration of the Holy Ghost, and you must always remember that. Remember, look at me, remember. Whenever the word of God says, I, Paul, a prisoner of the Lord, God is speaking through Paul. And though God let Paul say, I, Paul, God was the one saying, I, Paul, through Paul. And it wasn't Paul's flesh. It was Paul's spirit, which was a a new man created in true righteousness and true holiness. And that new man, Paul, speaking by inspiration of the Holy Ghost, was speaking the very word of God even when he said, I, Paul. This is not the opinions of a man. This is not the teachings of some old guy with a bald head and a crooked back. This is the word of Almighty God. These words right here are the word of Almighty God. Not everything that Paul ever said or did was the word of God. You say, I don't really believe you, and we're on a rabbit, and I know it. We're going to chase it. Go to the book of Acts real quick. Lord, help me not to chase too many rabbits. We've got to get back <clears throat> to the main thing here. I want to run this rabbit real quick, and we'll get back. Acts chapter 23, And Paul, earnestly beholding the council, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded them that stood by him to smite him on the mouth. Then said Paul unto him, God shall smite thee, thou whited wall. For sittest thou to judge me after the law, and commandest me to be smitten contrary to the law. And they that stood by said, Revilest thou God's high priest? Then said Paul, I wist not, brethren, that he was the high priest. For it is written, Thou shalt not speak evil of the ruler of thy people. So there we have a perfectly preserved by God record, a perfectly inspired, perfectly preserved record by God of Paul blowing it with his mouth. And that's what we're going to get into today. 
as we get back to our text here in Colossians chapter 3, and that is blowing it with your mouth. That's the basic idea that this is going to talk about today. Now, not everything that Paul said was inspired by the Holy Ghost, but that which was inspired by the Holy Ghost is perfectly preserved for us today, right here in this text that we have before us in the book of Colossians, also the other books of the Bible that are included in the 66 books of the Bible. And let's see here. It goes on and says, But now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another. Before this, Paul talked about the, and by inspiration of the Holy Ghost, I cannot say that enough. Before that, Paul spoke by inspiration of the Holy Ghost and said, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. And he told us to not do the wicked sins of fornication or uncleanness. And then he dealt with the heart sins that lead to those sins, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. But now Paul is saying by inspiration of the Holy Ghost, He's saying, but now ye also put off all these. Get rid of these things. Get them out of your life. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Now, it's interesting that whenever Paul talked about sins of fornication and uncleanness, he, he spoke of the open, atrocious, wicked sin first, and then he dealt with the heart motives. Now he's speaking about sins you commit with your mouth, and he's going to start with some heart motives and then work into the manifestations of those sins. So what is the heart motive of blowing it with your mouth? The number one way that we shoot off our mouths and and shoot off our lip and sin against God and sin against our brethren, the number one reason that we do it is because of anger. And the first thing that Paul is going to deal with here is anger. Now, anger is the passion of displeasure. Anger is the passion of displeasure. How many of you have ever been angry? Raise your hand. You there? I can tell. Yep, there you go. I can tell anybody else wasn't listening. Everybody that raised their hands, you're the ones that were listening. The rest of you just weren't listening or you're lying. And we've got to deal with that in this text too in the start of verse 9. How many of you have ever seen anybody get angry? Okay, so anger is the passion of displeasure. What you see when you see somebody get angry is the manifestation. So anger deals with the passion of displeasure. He says anger, wrath. Wrath deals with the obsession of displeasure. What's the difference? Anger is the passion that arises when you have displeasure. But wrath is the, is the obsession of the displeasure whenever you, uh, whenever you meditate upon and live in and through the passion. Whenever you let the passion grow and fester and live in your heart, you move into wrath. That anger builds and builds and builds into wrath. The more you think about that which made you angry, the more you are building into wrath. Now, wrath then grows into malice, and malice is the reaction to displeasure. And all three of these can be completely hidden in the heart. I have met some men who wear their emotions on their shirt sleeves, so to speak. And when they get angry, everybody around them knows they're angry the second they're angry. 
And that's a very foolish condition to live in. But then I've also met some men who never show their anger, but deep down inside, they're just as angry as anybody else. And there's a danger that comes from that too. So anger is the passion of displeasure. Wrath is the obsession of displeasure. And malice is the reaction to displeasure, the reaction to the buildup of the obsession of the passion of displeasure. So malice then goes into, I want to hurt that guy. So think about it this way. Anger, whenever you first get hurt, is the feeling that comes up. When somebody pulls your hair, you have a feeling that comes up inside of you. This feeling of anger that comes up inside of you, right? It comes up naturally because we have a flesh. Now look at me and pay attention. When that anger comes up, then the and the situation ends and that person walks away and you sit there thinking about how they pulled your hair and you think about how angry you are with them it grows into wrath and you sit there boiling and you hear people talk about i'm about to boil over i'm so mad i'm about to burst that's wrath that wrath is the boiling over of the passion of anger that was stirred in you by an action, by a displeasure that happened to you. But then malice is whenever you sit there boiling over with anger and a thought comes to your mind, I'm going to go pinch them. Now that's kind of a childish analogy, but it works. Now, this could be a lot more extreme in an adult. Someone hurts someone you love, and you sit there angry with them, and every day you get more angry until finally you, you decide that you're going to go and kill that person. That would be a much more extreme analogy, and that decision to go and kill would be malice. The malice, the desire to do damage, the desire for retribution, the desire for vengeance, and the plotting and planning for vengeance is malice. Now, those three relate to each other, but the malice can also come from envy. It can also come from pride. There are other ways that we can get to malice. Whenever I'm so proud that I, dis, that I don't want anybody else to get any kind of glory and something's happening that gives someone else glory, I may begin to plot their downfall. And I, that may cause me to have filthy communication, which is also in this text, where I might go around behind their back and start telling stories on them and telling people bad things that they did so that it bring, diminishes them and brings them down down so that it can puff me up. That would also be malice. But here Paul gives us malice by inspiration of the Holy Ghost directly tied to anger and wrath in its context. There are many ways that malice can express itself. Malice can express itself because of greed. You can be so greedy and covetous that whenever you see somebody has more than you, you want to go and break their stuff and cut their tires and spray graffiti on their house because simply because they have more than you have. That is malice. That plotting to do injury to others is malice. And we're instructed here that if we are children of obedience, that we are to put off all these. Anger resteth in the bosom of fools, the Bible says. Anger resteth in the bosom of fools. Let's go to some verses that deal with some of these. I didn't organize them quite like I should, but Matthew 12, 36. Let's go there quickly. Blasphemy, as we're going there, Matthew 12 
and verse 36. As we're going there, blasphemy is contradictions of God's truth. Anytime someone contradicts God Almighty, they are blasphemy. They're committing blasphemy and blaspheming. So someone that contradicts the truth of the word. When somebody says that this world, every time somebody says that the world is a million years old, millions of years old, they're committing blasphemy. That is a blasphemy. Because God said in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and God gave us a reasonable means to calculate a close approximate estimate of the age of the earth at just over 6,600 years or something like that, or somewhere over 6,000 years. And when somebody openly and blatantly contradicts God's word, they are blaspheming. So you can blaspheme God by contradicting him about creation. You can blaspheme God by contradicting him about uh, male and female. People say the Bible doesn't have anything to say about sodomy. When they say that, they're blaspheming. The Bible has a lot to say about sodomy. They're also lying. The Bible has a ton to say about it. And when they contradict God and say the opposite of what God says, they're blaspheming. Blaspheming. Now, blasphemy is a serious offense against God. Preachers are in great danger of blasphemy because they can get on their little soapbox, on their little... Um, denominational soapbox and the doctrine that they got taught at Bible school and they don't even know that they're contradicting clear scripture and they'll just get up and preach it because they haven't studied the word of God to show themselves approved. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth and preachers often get up and blaspheme and don't even know that they're doing it because they haven't studied the word of God. Now the contradictions of God's truth that are the... that. Um, deal with God himself and the nature of God. Pay attention. When somebody says something about God that contradicts what God says about himself, they are blaspheming God directly. Jesus said that all sins should be forgiven men except blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. He says that's the one sin that would not be forgiven. And he said that whenever the scribes and Pharisees were saying that Jesus Christ cast out devils by the prince of the devils, by Beelzebub. So what he was saying is that they were blaspheming the Holy Ghost. They were contradicting the Holy Ghost directly. And in doing that, they were in grave danger of crossing one of God's deadlines where God would cease to strive with them, cease to deal with them, and they would be marked for death and destruction. And if they lived another day, it would be only as vessels of wrath designed and appointed by God to destruction where there would be no forgiveness. And they could live another 50 years if God allowed them to as vessels of wrath and never be able to comprehend salvation in a way that they could repent and believe the gospel. You see, salvation is of the Lord. In order to be saved, you must believe. In order to believe, you must hear. And in order to hear, God must open your heart. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But that hearing, there's an operation of the Holy Spirit involved in all of that, in the hearing and the preaching and the believing and the illumination. And whenever a man cuts off himself from the Holy Spirit of God, blasphemes the Holy Spirit of God, goes beyond that line, he becomes, he comes to a point where he cannot even comprehend with his heart the truth of the gospel. I'm reminded of a man named Nietzsche. This man hated God. He blasphemed God. And if I remember right, on his deathbed, he cried out 
for mercy from God, but cried out as well that he was going to hell and that God had rejected him and he had no hope of salvation. Now, many of you out there today would say, well, if Nietzsche had just believed God, he would have been saved. It's so sad he didn't believe. Well, yes, it is. And yes, that's true. But he could not believe because he had cut himself off from God's dealings with him. You can't just arbitrarily believe God. You need God to touch your heart. You need God to illuminate your heart. And if you so offend God that he ceases to deal with you, then even though you may try to comprehend the gospel, you will not. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Call upon the Lord while he is near. Draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. The Bible teaches that you need to move towards God. You need to seek God. He says, if you will seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. He says, you will find me when you seek for me with all your heart. You need to seek God with all your heart and never give up and never slow down. You need to seek God until you're saved and you need to seek God after you're saved. There's a big if here in Colossians. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. The big if is not an if if you're saved. Um, If you're saved, you need to do this so that you can stay saved. The if is a question of if you are truly saved. And the question of if you're truly saved can be will be manifested by what you do with your life. If you can live a life of sin, of willful disobedience to God, you are a child of disobedience. If you can just go on and live without any care of what God says and without any spirit of repentance, and you resist the gospel, you resist the preacher, you resist the word of God, you resist the truth of God's word, you don't need the Bible, you can, it's kind of take it or leave it. But you say, oh, I'm saved. It doesn't matter what your experience was. You could have gone forward at the biggest crusade. I think the biggest crusades in this nation, in America, in a long time, were headed up by a man named Billy Graham, whether you like him or not. And I'm not here to talk about Billy Graham today. But he had some big crusades. And maybe you went forward at one of those crusades, and you kneeled your knees down at the altar, and some guy showed you the sinner's prayer, and you prayed it. And maybe you felt like you were absolutely sincere when you did it, but your life is characterized by anger, wrath, malice, filthy communication, blasphemy. You think and disseminate vile thoughts and contradictions against God. You don't care what kind of Bible you use. You'll pick up an NIV that is a blasphemer's Bible. They ought to just name it the BB, the blasphemer's Bible. It's full of blasphemy. The NIV is full of blasphemy. It says that Jesus thought not to be equal with God. That's blasphemy. It directly contradicts the doctrines of the faith and the truth of God and Jesus Christ. It's a blasphemer's Bible. And maybe you can sit there and use the NIV and you don't care about it. It doesn't bother you at all. Now, maybe you're ignorant about it. That's different. But maybe you've been shown these things before and you say, ah, it doesn't matter. And you go on living your life, doing your thing as a child of disobedience. Live your way. Dress your way. Listen to your music. Do your thing. You don't need church. Even though the Bible says forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. You don't need church. You don't need to assemble. You can worship God in your fishing boat just as good as you can in the church house. You're a child of disobedience if that's your condition. You're far from God. You're alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. You will die in your sins and you will bust hell wide open. Your experiences, your outward actions that you did at one point in your life that do not result in a life change have no, have no bearing 
no bearing. The body of evidence is against you, sir. The body of, of evidence is against you, ma'am. If you can live in continual disobedience and disregard to the words of God, to the word of God, and you don't really care what the Bible says, you just go on. Listen, these uh, women preachers, you need to wake up. You can preach the gospel to your children. You can preach the gospel to the bum on the street. But whenever you get in the church house, you need to sit down and shut your mouth. And I say that in love. The Bible says, let the women keep silence in the churches. And he says, I suffer not a woman to speak or to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man. And you can go on living and pretending to be a pastor whenever the Bible says, let the pastor, let the elders be a husband of one wife. And you can pretend to be a pastor and go on with your so-called ministry you're a child of disobedience it doesn't matter what other religious trappings you put on your life and boy are we running a rabbit now but it's a true rabbit you are contradicting god contradicting his word your life is blasphemy what you do is blasphemy if that's your condition you're not saved um, if you can continue in it without conviction and without chastening um, filthy communication is the last part, the last thing mentioned in verse 8, and this would include dirty jokes, inappropriate conversation, lack of discretion. Uh, I had a man, he, he called himself a Christian. He was very firm in his profession of faith. He knew the Bible better than most people. He'd memorized huge passages of Scripture. He knew systematic theology. He knew doctrines of many different religions and different groups. He understood much about church history. He could talk to anybody about any religious topic. And that man walked up to me one day and said one of the most wicked, vile, ungodly, indiscreet things about the relations between another man and his wife. The same man, I was at a church and this man um, raised his hand. That church had open floor testimony time, which can be very dangerous. I don't recommend it. I'm sorry, I just don't recommend it. This man... Um, sat up, st- stuck his hand up, and he proceeded to tell the whole church about a dirty movie that he had watched. And the whole time he's weeping and telling the church how much it showed him the character of God, that God wasn't like all the wickedness in the movie he'd just watched. He was full of filthy communication. The man was always making jokes that were on the edge of appropriate, yet he knew the Bible frontward to backward. The Bible says... But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another. Filthy communication does not belong in the mouth of a believer. Someone who says they're saved should never allow their mouth to be involved in dirty jokes. Do you laugh at dirty jokes? When somebody tells a dirty joke, do you sit there and chuckle so that they don't think that you're weird? That's being part of filthy communication. You are giving assent by your laughing to that which is ungodly. And your light is quenched if you're a Christian. You're in for chastening. If that characterizes your life, you're a child of disobedience. And there's just not anything else anymore to that. Now, Matthew 12, 36, it says here, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Now, I'd like to ask you today to picture yourself standing before the judgment seat of Christ as a Christian. Or, if you're lost, Imagine standing before the great white throne of judgment. In any case, you're going to stand before a judgment. 
and you're going to give account of every idle word that you've ever spoken. I want you to think back over this week and think about the words that you've said. I want to think about how you have spoken, the tone that you've spoken in. I want you to think about your heart. Have you had malice towards people? Have you been gossiping? By the way, gossip is some of the most filthy conversation that there is. Some of the most filthy conversation that there is. It's defilement. You can tell an immoral joke and and then look and... Or you can hear a man tell an immoral joke and stick your nose up at him and then walk around the corner and talk about him behind his back and whisper and say, did you hear about brother so-and-so? He's telling dirty jokes. And, and then guess what? Usually the gossiper will go on and tell the dirty joke and pretend like they're telling it out of some kind of righteousness whenever in reality they're reveling in the wickedness themselves. That's filthy communication. You turn around and talk bad about somebody behind their back. That's filthy communication. The Bible says that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof. Look at verse 35. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. So your mouth reveals your heart. You give a man enough time, and he'll show you what he's made of. You hang out around somebody long enough, and what comes out of their mouth will reveal what is in their heart. Do they tell dirty jokes? Their heart is full of dirty immorality. Do they gossip? Then their heart is full of envy and malice and strife do they lash out then their heart is full of anger Uh, out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh now Jesus said this in context after speaking about blasphemy of the Holy Ghost let's let's look up there real quick Um, that's in verse 24 but when the Pharisees heard it they said this fellow doth not cast out devils but by Beelzebub the prince of the devils and Jesus knew their thoughts Your thoughts will be judged, not just your words, your thoughts. And said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. Or else how How can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house? He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him, but whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned." Go to Psalm 101. We're going to run some verses here. I didn't take as much time as I should have this morning. I apologize. These are not as organized as they ought to be.
But we're going to run through these verses real quick. Psalm 101. I will sing of mercy and judgment unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. O when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. Then he says, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. A froward heart shall depart from me. I will not know a wicked person who so privily slandereth his neighbor. That means talks about his neighbor behind his back, lies on his neighbor. Him will I cut off. Him that hath an high look and a proud heart will not I suffer. Mine eyes shall be upon the faithful of the Lamb that they may dwell with me. He that walketh in a perfect way, he shall serve me. He that worketh deceit shall not dwell within my house. He that telleth lies shall not tarry in my sight. Now the Bible says, make no friendship with an angry man and with a furious man thou shalt not go. If people's lives are characterized by these sins, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication, there's some people you're going to have to get away from. They say, oh, I'm saved, and then they try to tell you a dirty joke. You you reprove that. If they're your elder, you beseech them, and you say, please stop. You're bringing shame to the name of Christ. Please do not bring shame to the name of Christ. Please stop. And if they keep talking, you're going to have to walk away. And it could be your own family. It could be your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, your uncle, your aunt. It could be your pastor. It could be your deacon in your church. It could be an elder in the local church. There are some people you're going to have to get away from. Because if you stick around that stuff, it will rub off on you. And you'll start doing it too. God says in in our text, But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth, lie not one to another. Go to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6 talks about a lying tongue in verse 17. It's verse 16, these six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. That's that malice. These are abominations to God. He says, feet that be swift in running to mischief. Are you running to mischief? Are you sowing strife among brethren? Do you like trouble? Do you like to find trouble, make trouble? It's an abomination to God. Listen to me today carefully. He says, these are two more of the things that are an abomination to God. A false witness that speaketh lies. And he that soweth discord among brethren. This is... Filthy communication, sowing discord among brethren. Lies that he says, lie not one to another. A false witness that speaketh lies. And he that soweth discord among brethren. This is the work of the old man. This is the work of the lost man. If this characterizes you without repentance, remorse, and victory in your life, then you need to check your salvation. Proverbs chapter 7 and verse 11 It speaks of the harlot. She is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. She's loud and stubborn. She's always running her mouth. And verse 21 says, With her much fair speech she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips she forced him. That is filthy communication. She's lying to him. She's flattering him with the lips. She is 
deceiving him and she is and there is malice in that by the way the work of the harlot is full of malice go to chapter 10 of proverbs and verse 18 it says he that hideth hatred with lying lips and he that uttereth slander is a fool in the multitude of words there wanteth not sin but he that refraineth his lips is wise do you hear that today The more you talk, the more you're going to sin. Keep your mouth shut. That's the basic way to understand what's being said there. In the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. But he that refraineth his lips is wise. The tongue of the just is as choice silver. The tongue of the just. By the way, if you're saved, you're considered just. Therefore being justified. Therefore being justified. By faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you're saved, you're just. Your tongue is supposed to be choice silver. Silver speaks of redemption, if I remember right. And redemption is all through the Bible. Does your mouth speak the word of God? Are are verses and scriptures constantly on your lips? It says, the tongue of the just is as choice silver. The heart of the wicked is little worth. Is there nothing but nonsense that comes out of your mouth? I've met so many professing Christians that whenever somebody starts talking about the Bible, they get uncomfortable and they leave the room. They walk out. And I'm not talking about doubtful disputations. Just when someone brings a Bible verse, I remember whenever God really got a hold of me and I was really studying the Bible. I was memorizing more scripture, but I was doing it with a different motivation than before. It was out of pure love for God that he had worked in my heart. And the word of God was so alive and so quick. And all my old friends would try to have conversations with me and they would start to talk. And before I knew what was happening, when it was my turn to speak, a Bible verse would pop out of my mouth that applied to the situation. They all started walking away. They stopped talking around me. They didn't have anything to say because the heart of the wicked is of little worth and it exposed their heart whenever the word of God started coming out of me. And why was it coming out of me? Because God had justified me. God filled me with his spirit. God quickened me. It's not because I'm a superhero or a super Christian. It's because of the work of God that he did in my life. Apart from that, I was no different from them. I used to talk about all those things with them, but then God changed me. The Bible says in verse 21, the lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for want of wisdom. Are your lips feeding the hungry spiritual food? Are you feeding the bread of life? Jesus is the bread that came down from heaven. He's the word. People say that they hold up the word of God and say, this is the bread. Well, Jesus Christ is the bread. And there's another rabbit. Give us this day our daily bread. You run that sometime for yourself. Who is the bread? Jesus Christ. Give us this day our daily bread. We need to be filled with the spirit every day. We need to go to God, say, God, you promised another comforter and he indwelt me, but I need you to fill me today with the spirit of your son, Jesus Christ. I need some daily bread and you need to get in the Bible and read the word and let the living word communicate to you through his perfectly preserved written word and fill you with his spirit. Transform your mind. Moving on, we've got chapter 12 of Proverbs, chapter 12, verse 5. Go quickly. The thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsels of the wicked are deceit. 
The words of the wicked are to lie in wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright shall deliver them. There's a contrast here. What comes out of your mouth shows what's in your heart. Go to verse 19. The lip of truth shall be established forever. But a lying tongue is but for a moment. And I missed that. The verse is just above that. Let's look. Um, let's go back to verse 16. A fool's wrath is presently known. A fool's wrath is presently known. It's going to pop out pretty quick. Uh, this, I'm sorry it's not more organized. I should have written down these verses in order with each of these sins and given it out in a more orderly manner to, to be more effective study. This is a little bit more of a shotgun teaching this morning, just kind of blasting it out there. I hope you'll follow it through with it and maybe study it out yourself. I'm sorry for my um, lack of preparedness. I should have had more time on this this morning. And that's my fault, no one else's. A fool's wrath is presently known. There's that wrath that we talked about. But a prudent man covereth shame. He that speaketh truth showeth forth righteousness, but a false witness deceit. There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. Deceit is in the heart of them that imagine evil, but to the counselors of peace is joy. Lying lips, it says, are abomination to the Lord. That's verse 22. But they that deal truly are his delight. Go to chapter 13 and verse 3. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. Look at verse 5. A righteous man hateth lying, but a wicked man is loathsome and cometh to shame. Now you can cover up your condition. You can cover up your fleshliness. You can cover up your lost condition until judgment, but it's going to come out someday. It's far better to confess your sins and forsake them and find mercy than to cover them. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but he that confesseth and forsaketh them shall find mercy. Go to chapter 14 and verse 3. In the mouth of the foolish is the raw is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise shall preserve them. Look at verse 17. Oh, we've got to look at verse um, 16 as well. A wise man feareth and departeth from evil, but the fool rageth and is confident. He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly, and a man of wicked devices is hated. Again, Colossians 3.8, but now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another. So he goes on, a fool, he that is soon angry, dealeth foolishly, and a man of wicked devices is hated. Let's look at the next verse, um, 29. He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. Go to 15 and verse 2, the tongue of the wise. We need verse 1. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. What kind of words do you speak? When you speak to people, are you stirring them up? Are you stirring up anger in other people? It says, the tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness poureth out foolishness. Verse 4 says, A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. 
Verse 7, the lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the foolish doeth not so. Look at verse 18, a wrathful man stirreth up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. Verse 26, the thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but the pure words of the pure are pleasant words. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but the words of the pure are pleasant words. Verse 28, the heart of the righteous studieth to answer, but the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. The mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. Let's look on here, 16, Proverbs 16, I believe it's 32. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. Chapter 17 and verse 27, he that hath knowledge spareth his words, and a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise, and he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth, lest I utter any vain thing. Um, go to chapter 18, chapter 18, verse 6. A fool's lips enter into contention, and his mouth calleth for strokes. He's just asking to get punched in the face. That's what that's saying. His mouth calleth for strokes. He's begging to get punched. He's begging to get socked in the mouth. A fool's mouth is his destruction and his lips are the snare of his soul. The words of a tailbearer are as wounds and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Now you can wear a dress down to the floor and have your hair all done up nice. You can put just get rid of all jewelry and um, your and makeup and be a plain dress woman with that's walking in modesty you can uh, be obedient to your husband openly obedient to your husband you can be submissive you can read your bible meditate on the word of god pray sing praises and then you go off and start slandering and gossiping behind everyone's back telling people things that are none of their business and you are living in sin it's a filthy communication it's absolutely wicked sin and you're living the life of a fool the words of a talebearer are his wounds i remember one day my dad speaking about the oh lord should i even go there well we're gonna go ahead and go there the there's a, a woman it was um, several women had been harassing him about his position on the woman's veiling or on head coverings in the Bible, and they saw it a little differently than he saw it. Uh, but in any case, uh, they wanted more. They wanted stricter standards and stricter rules regarding a woman's head covering. Uh, we're not even going to touch that right now. We'll get into that when we get into it. But. My dad made a statement one day. My dad was a pastor, and he's standing in the pulpit. And the head covering of the woman, the primary purpose of it is to show submission to authority. And dad said one day from the pulpit, he said, most women that I've ever met that wear the head covering would be better off taking off their head covering and putting it in their mouth. Now, he wasn't saying that against 
women wearing head coverings, women wearing a veil, whatever. If that's what you need to do, if that's how you need to obey the Lord, if that's what your husband wants for you to do, then by all means do it. There's nothing wrong with it. There are many different opinions about size, shape. What is a head covering? Is it the woman's hair? Is it the woman? Is it a bonnet? Is it black? Is it purple? Is it red? Is it lace? Is it see-through? Is it solid? And you can get into all kinds of doubtful disputations about that that bring division and schisms. And that's exactly what dad's talking about. Those divisions and those schisms running your mouth is more wicked than your neighbor not having the same kind of doily on her head as you do. Now, that's just one example, and some of you out there are saying, yeah, preach it, but you've got something else maybe. Maybe there's something else that that you're trying to make everybody else to conform to your standards and your application, your personal application of Scripture, and there's a difference. There are some things that are personal applications and some things the Bible's clear about, and you're trying to make everybody else conform. You're running your mouth. You're gossiping about people. You're running people down behind their back. If that's your condition, you're sinning against a holy God. And your filthy communication is directly dealt with in the Bible, whereas the size and shape of a head covering is not. Do you hear me? The size and the shape of a head covering is not covered directly in the Bible. But you running your mouth and gossiping and having schisms and divisions and filthy communication and defilement and anger and wrath and strife and sedition is covered directly in the Bible. And you're so full of your self-righteousness over your personal standards that you can't even see that you're sinning directly against God while you're running around trying to twist everybody else's arm into conforming to your standards and it's sin. So here he says, He that hath knowledge spareth his words, and a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise, and he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Did you hear what the Bible said? Shut your lips, and you'll be esteemed a man of understanding. Shut your lips, and you'll be esteemed a woman of understanding. Chapter 17. Is what we just looked at. Chapter 18, verse 6. A fool's lips enter into contention, and his mouth calleth for strokes. A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the snare of his soul. The words of a talebearer are his wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. He also that is slothful in his work is a brother to him that is a great waster. Now that was not in our context. It's a great verse. We'll study it out some other time. Go to verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Go to 19. Chapter 19 and verse 11. The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. It is his glory to pass over a transgression. Chapter 21 and verse 23. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. Proud and haughty scorner is his name who dealeth in proud wrath. Proud and haughty scorner is his name who dealeth in proud wrath. You know, Revelation 21 deals with liars directly. We may look at that more. Probably we'll touch on it whenever we look at the next verse there and begin to look at the old man and the new man. 
Revelation 21.8 says, All liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. Go to James chapter 3 today, and this is where we will wrap up. Colossians 3.8 is what we're studying. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another. We're commanded to put these things off. James chapter 3 says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, with Whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. Listen to me today. There's there's not anything else in the Bible that is is treated nothing no part of your body no part of your body is treated doctrinally like the tongue is treated in the bible not your hands that touch not your feet that go not even you might even think of how wicked the sin of fornication is that god would deal with the loins of man and that he would deal hardly with the loins of a man as so often that that leads to sin but god says here that the tongue defileth the whole body the tongue defileth the whole body. Do you see how you can be covering up your whole body? You can be modest. You can have a head covering. You can have your long hair. You can be dressed nicely. Have your plain clothes. You can have everything externally look good. And if your mouth is running loose, the Bible says your tongue defileth the whole body. Your tongue defileth the whole body. The Bible says in James, we'll get back to chapter 3, if any man among you seem to be religious and, religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. If your mouth is running, your religion is vain. That's what the Bible says. Jesus said that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh, and you'll be judged for every idle word. You've got all your religious trappings. You've got all your good works. You've got all your self-righteousness. But is your mouth running loose today? Are you shooting off your mouth? Are you speaking evil of your brother? Are you in the middle of filthy communication? Are you laughing at dirty jokes? Are you full of anger, wrath, malice? Are you speaking blasphemy because you haven't spent time in the word of God and you say things that are contradictory to God? Do you run around posting Bible verses from these false versions that actually contradict the very truth you say you believe and you don't even know it because you haven't taken time to read your Bible and compare scripture to scripture and you don't even see that the very verses that you're posting out of these false Bibles are blasphemy and yet you're, you're preaching blasphemy and yet you say you're a Christian Lie not one to another. Put off the old man. Put off all these things. 
Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue, the Bible says, keepeth his soul from evil, if I quoted that right. It says here in James that the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beasts and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. You can tame a dog, but the tongue can no man tame. You can tame a dolphin, but the tongue can no man tame. You can tame a parrot, but the tongue can no man tame. You can tame a hawk, but the tongue can no man tame. You can, ta- you can tame a mighty draft horse. A mighty draft horse. How tall are those at the withers, honey? Like 14, 16 hands, 18 hands, 20 hands. Seven, seven and some odd feet tall to the shoulder. And you can tame that mighty horse, but the Bible says, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. You can tame a bear. I've seen advertisements of bears riding one-wheeled bicycles, balancing balls on their noses. You can tame a lion. I've seen advertisements of a man with a chair and a whip standing in a cage with a fierce, hungry lion. And he makes that lion go where he wants it to go and do what he wants it to do. But the Bible says the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith blessed we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. Lie not unto to another he said here it's all tying together as we close glory not and lie not against the truth listen to me if you're lost today get saved don't lie don't just stay on in lying lying and and deception self-deception if you're here today and you're saved if ye then be risen with christ seek the things that are above put off these things stop it if you're saved prove it and shut your mouth That's what it's saying. Prove it and shut your mouth. Prove it and root this garbage out of your heart. This strife, this envy, this malice, this wrath, this anger, this blasphemy, this filthy communication. Get it out. If you're saved, prove it. If you're saved, live it. There's power in the name of Jesus Christ. There's power in the Spirit of God. It says, if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. He says, from whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? 
And he goes on and deals with that in chapter four. He gives the command there, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Chapter four, look what it says in verse 11. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou be the judge, if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. Colossians 3, 8, but now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would help me personally to obey this commandment, to put off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of my mouth. I have no cause for it, no right to it, Father. And anything I've done that's offended your people or or lost people, Father, because of anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication, Lord God, I pray that you would forgive me and put it under the blood. And as you show me specific instances, Lord God, I will get them right by your grace. Lord, even if I have to go back and find somebody, if you'll help me find them, by your grace, Lord God, I'll get it right, Lord. I want my words to be pure words as silver, Lord God. The words of the just are as silver, and I choice silver. I pray, Lord God, that you would give me the words of the just. Put them in my mouth. Take out the words of sin, the words of the old man, Lord. Help me to walk as a, as a new man, Lord, new, created new in Christ. Lord, I believe that you have the power to do this, and I pray that you would do this for me, that you would help me to overcome, Lord God, and anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication, lying, that it would not have any part in me. I ask you, Lord, that every day, every moment of every day, every word that comes out of my mouth, I desire that it would be glorifying and honoring to you and that it would draw people closer to you, Lord God, that I would speak as you speak, that I would speak as it were the oracles of God, not new revelation of your word, but direct application of your word and directly obeying your word, that I would speak the truth in love. Father, do this for me, and I pray that you would do this for those that are listening to this broadcast today, this podcast, those that are here in this room, and those that desire to have pure words and pure mouths and pure hearts, Lord, and to love one another and to put off these things as we're commanded to in your word. We love you today, and we thank you, Lord, for the power and the privilege of of your word, Lord, that we can even read it, Father. We thank you for that, and we pray, Lord God, that you'd help us to be transformed into the image of your Son through your word and through our time in your word today in Jesus name and amen if you have heard me speak those words um, uh, if you've heard me speak any of these things on this podcast in any of these messages I just humbly ask you to forgive me and have mercy on me and um, if it's bothering you that enough that you feel necessary, you can definitely um, comment there. Speak to me about it. I'll look it over, and if there's truth in in, in it that, that I have done that, then I will fix it. I'll either remove it or apologize about it. Uh, I certainly do not want to be the cause of offense and cause of driving people away from Christ. I thank you for listening today. We love you. Love all of you here. And we just um, pray that the grace of God will be shed abundantly upon you all. In Jesus' name.